Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Buckle up, because the Premier League is beginning to accelerate towards the finish line. Manchester City out in front, but it's bumper to bumper with Liverpool right on their tail. We'll dive into the domestic drama as it continues to unfold with three top flight matches this weekend. The pick of the bunch at the London Stadium, where West Ham and Tottenham renew their rivalry with both sides searching for a top four finish. Plus, it's FA Cup weekend and some of the big guns are still in the world's oldest cup competition. But can the likes of an Everton, Crystal Palace or Southampton go all the way to Wembley? Welcome along to The Dugout, the Premier League podcast from Sports Social featuring former top flight pros. My name's Niall McCorn and joining me on today's show, we've got former Leicester and Hull striker Matty Fryett and ex-Brighton and Southampton man Dean Hammond. Hello gents, how's it going? How are we? We're okay? Very good mate, very good mate. Been watching lots of football and lots of games, so yeah, looking forward to the show mate. You should be in a good position to talk about what we've got on the agenda today then, Dean, because we're going to take a look at the title race. We're also going to take a look at the FA Cup weekend, but we're going to start with the Premier League fixtures that are happening this weekend. For some reason, only three. We seem to have had loads of midweek matches due to rearranged games because of COVID cancellations and stuff, but only three games this weekend, are largely down to the FA Cup, I suppose you could say. For me, there's no doubt that the biggest fixture of the weekend is 4.30 on Sunday, West Ham against Tottenham. This is a, a massive derby game, Matty, in its own right, but it's also huge for the top four. Both sides go into this a place apart and level on points. This race for Champions League is getting exciting, isn't it? It certainly is. Um, West Ham have probably been in the driving seat all, all year. Um, and then now they're sort of on the fringes and then it's that squad mentality. And um, I look at it and think it's going to be a massive game for them, but uh, I'm not too sure on West Ham, to be honest. Um Tottenham have come in the ascendancy a little bit, but it's a, it's a huge game and West Ham are still in the mix, but there's a few other teams as well just pushing for that four. So it's uh, hotting up nicely now. 
What is it about West Ham that's not taking your fancy at the moment? I know it's fair to say they have dipped off a little bit. What is it about West Ham that you think might have just uh, led the other teams to edge it slightly? I just think it's the squad size. I think the the 12, 13 players that they really trust as the other teams have got more strength and depth for me. And obviously being in all the competition, well, most of the competition still, I think you need more squad depth to it. And I think the other teams have that in their favour. I think they've done incredibly well so far, but I can just see them dropping off. I felt it a month or so ago, and I can already see signs. So um, West Ham, not for me in terms of probably finishing fourth, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Arsenal are probably still in pole position to finish fourth. We'll come on to their game with Aston Villa this weekend shortly. But in terms of this one, West Ham versus Spurs, Dean, I think Spurs have the better quality as Matty's picked up on. But West Ham arguably, pound for pound, have got a little bit more grit and determination. Would that be something you agree with? Yeah, I think I agree. I understand what you're saying, Noel. In terms of certain of areas, you look at Harry Kane and 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 Song, that, you know, their, their ability and their quality is... Um, better than anything West Ham have got. Um, but West Ham have also got quality. The way you look at Declan Rice, um, Suchek, Fornells, Lanzini's really, really improved as the season's gone on, uh, Ben Rama. So they've got quality, West Ham. I think, I agree with Matty, they're probably a striker short. I think Antonio going off, uh, I think he's injured now. They've missed Bowen um, and probably missed a trick in terms of strengthening in, in January. But... Tottenham have their frailties and have their vulnerabilities in terms of and letting goals in, and they can be brilliant. They've shown that under Conte they can pick up some brilliant results like they did against uh, Man City, but then also they can get beat. I cover the game against Southampton, and they were well beat against um, Southampton. I know it's 3-2, but Southampton dominated that that game, really. So I think this will be a close contest, and I actually fancy West Ham to, to win the game. I just think there's a little bit less expectation on them. They're not expected to get in that top four. And, and Spurs are, really. Spurs are expected to potentially catch Arsenal. Um, so I think it's a really interesting game. But like, yeah, I think the togetherness and the, the group mentality at West Ham is stronger than it is at Tottenham. But Tottenham do have those individuals that can win a game from, from anywhere. Yeah, I think in terms of what we saw midweek with Tottenham quite easily beating Brighton, but then again, Brighton had lost five in a row going into that game. And also, we've seen, like you say, Tottenham be amazing one week and just look all over the place the next you know they beat Man City but then they lost to Middlesbrough in the cup they lost to Burnley they're beaten by Southampton in that crazy game so it's hard to know with Spurs what you're going to get which I'm sure will frustrate Antonio Conte more than anybody else but one weapon we know that Tottenham have got Dean's already mentioned him Matty you've mentioned him as well Harry Kane he's just unbelievable isn't he scored again midweek he's breaking more records as someone who used to play that position Matty how good is he and do you think he'll break Alan Shearer's Premier League goal-scoring record of 260. That's the target for him. He's class. He's, he can do it all. Um, he can lead the line by himself. He could play in a pair. He can drop. Uh, he could be a box finisher. He, he's got all. He's got an array of finishes and the quality on top of it. And the consistency, he's been doing this for years now. So even when he got into the team, there was doubts about could he... Could he do it and then could he sustain it? And he's certainly done that. And then to, to be in a position where we're talking about can he achieve um, 260 plus goals? Um, barring injury, I don't see any reason why not because I think he could play deeper, a bit more like Sheringham. Mm. Um, and he does mix his game up as it is, but I think he could even drop deeper and still continue scoring um, more as a 10 as opposed to 
flexing between a 10 and a 9. Yeah. Um, so a bit no like reason. what Rooney did. I know Rooney dropped even deeper and almost played centre mid at times. But when he was maybe getting towards the end of his career, he did drop back a little bit because he was so good on the ball technically, which is what Kane is as well. Exactly. exactly. The the level of IQ is a quality football on top. You say quality football is not just a finisher. Yeah. Obviously, he scores his goals, but he can play as well. So even if he dropped deeper, there'd be no problem. His vision, his awareness, his decision-making so good anyway. A um, little bit different to Rooney. Rooney used to sort of go on the wings when he was a little bit younger, mm-hmm. as Kane's always been in the middle. So even if you dropped a little bit further back, I could still see him breaking into the box at the right time and getting his moments and his, his qualities there for to see. So barring injury, I can't see no reason why not. But fingers crossed, <laughs> he doesn't have any injuries. Yeah, well, you never know with Kane. It seems to be some sort of ankle problem every few months. So I kind of pop up and put him out for a while, but still he scored a, a truckload of goals regardless. I actually watched him quite closely in that recent game against... Manchester United where Ronaldo scored the hat-trick and I was trying to watch Kane as much as I could but the amount of times he occupies the space between both centre-halves and it's you know you're talking about two high-level defenders in Maguire and Varane and it's almost like their communication had to be perfect to know who was picking him up at any one time because he's, he's always trying to split the defenders which was really interesting to watch up close and, and personally rather than through the TV lens but what I will say is he's overtaken Frank Lampard now Dean He's overtaken Thierry Henry, two all-time Premier League legends. It won't be long before he overtakes Aguero. Andy Cole is not far away. And then once you get past 200, you're talking about the Roonies and Shearers. I mean, this guy is not even 30 yet, so he's got a damn good chance of getting there. That's incredible when you, when you mention those names and the company he's keeping. But um, I think he, it's good. It's going to be close. I think, what is it, 82 goals he's got to get and he's 28, 29 now. Um, I think one factor that could plan it, if he moves clubs, you know, if he ends up going to a bigger club, say a Man City or even a Man United or a bigger club and a bigger team in Europe, I think, well, not in Europe because it won't be Premier League goals, but a big Premier League club, I think he'll do it. Um, the only thing, like you say, the injuries may hold him back, potentially Tottenham not being... Um, challenging um, and creating enough chances for him could potentially hold him back. But he's a brilliant player. And the one thing he's probably added to his game is, is his distribution, his passing. You know, the goal against Leeds when you know the pass for Son is is unbelievable. That vision and the weight of pass. So you know his assist record is is fantastic as well. The amount of goals he's got for England, um, he's a brilliant player. He really is. And look, we're all questioning him at the start of the season. Is the desire still there? Um, is he fit enough? Um, is he the player he was after the Euros? And he's just come back and he always answers the questions and he always scores goals. And I don't know how many goals he's got this season, but I wouldn't put it past him to, to hit the 20 goal mark again because he's he's a brilliant player and he finds form at, at the right time. Yeah, he certainly does. He's, he's a remarkable player. Will he be a thorn in West Ham's side this weekend? We'll find out Sunday, 4.30 kickoff as Tottenham travel to face the Hammers at London Stadium. Now, that game, of course, will be interesting Arsenal in terms of the top four race. They're on the road as well. They take on Aston Villa. This is the lunchtime kickoff, half 12 on Saturday. We talk about this top four race, Matty. You say you don't fancy West Ham. We know Tottenham have still got a lot of work to do. Are Arsenal the ones now? They're, are they in the driving seat for the top four? And if that is the case, can they maintain it? I think they're in the driving seat. Um, I think they've done incredibly well so far this season after having... Started the season, was it three defeats, facing a bit of adversity, question marks asked over Arteta and having such a young team as well. Uh, I think they've done incredibly well. They're not quite on the levels of 
Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. But for me, I, w- I would fancy Tottenham. Um, sorry, Arsenal. Tottenham fans there will be thinking, what the hell's going on? Um, I'd probably think Arsenal. Uh, I think they've done well. They're still staying there. Obviously, barring midweek, they've been on good form. Um, yeah, I think they're a, a decent team. We discussed earlier this week on the show, Matty, that they're quite a young team with with young players, and that's something that Arteta's tried to build. And someone highlighted that maybe there was a little bit of, of naivety there and in, inexperience could possibly be the difference between them with those games in hand, finishing fourth or not. Is that something you'd agree with or do you think they've shown enough so far this season to, to be able to deal with it? I think they've shown enough so far this season. I think it was called early doors where they're not this, they're not that, they're not the other and they've gone about the business and slowly and surely headed up to the right part of the table where you'd expect Arsenal to be. Um, you could say back end of the season you need experience but so far they've proven that they've done it without that and I think there's that energy exuberance and a style and a philosophy there so I I can see no reason why Arsenal can't sustain the form and continue and uh, secure that fourth place for me. I know it's so easy to put points on the board when teams have got games in hand. It's almost like you, you expect these sides to win. It isn't always as easy as that, but I certainly agree. I do think Arsenal were the ones in pole position. But they take on a Villa side who have seen an upturn in form. There was a, a downturn in form, and now there's been an upturn again. In general, Steven Gerrard, I think we can all agree, Dean's done a pretty good job at Aston Villa. Is it a case now that they're quite relaxed about this season? They're probably not going to finish in the European places. They're miles clear of relegation, so they'll be fine there. So is it just a case of the players getting to know each other a little bit better, getting to know Steven Gerrard's ways, relaxing and just enjoying themselves, and then the focus will then turn to next season? I think they'll definitely want to finish ninth. I think they want to be the best of the rest. Um, so, so finishing in the top uh, well, ninth would be a good achievement. I agree with you. I think um, Gerard's done pretty well there. Um, the signing of the Coutinho is, is fantastic. And if they can keep him, I think that would be one of the things top of his list because he's made a huge difference to them. Danny Inks is a good player. Can he keep him fit and, and make sure he's fit for the start of next season? Watkins, obviously, is a good player. And they've got a nucleus of a really good team there. Um, and as far as I understand it, they've got the ability to invest in the, in the summer as well. The finances of the football club are, are there. I'm sure he's monitoring the squad and looking players. I'm sure there's some younger players that are coming through. He's, he's got a history of trying to push younger players through. Ramsey's coming in and done brilliant at, at Aston Villa. So I think he'll want to win games. Look, you look at Steven Gerrard, he's a winner. When he was a player, he wanted to win games. You see the passion he has on the touchline and how much he enjoys that. So... He'll want to finish the season really, really strong to set him up really well for, for, for next year. But I think they'll do better next year and I think they'll invest um, and, and they've done OK. But I think the biggest thing for them, if they can keep Coutinho and keep him firing towards the end of the season, enjoying his football and almost force him to sign because he's loving his football again, I think that would be the biggest thing for, for Gerrard. Yeah, I completely agree. And we always talk about expectation in football. I do wonder what the Villa fans will be expecting from next season. And indeed, just the wider football community will be expecting from them next season. It's always a a tricky one to navigate that. But anyway, Villa take on Arsenal at Villa Park, 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. And the third and final Premier League game of the weekend involves uh, both of your former club, Leicester City. They welcome Brentford to King Power Stadium. This one kicks off at two o'clock on Sunday. These two sides, Leicester and Brentford, Matty, they're three places and three points apart. Brentford three points back. Does that tell us more about the Bees or more about Leicester this season? What do you reckon? 
<laughs> I don't know, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Brentford, I suppose they're everyone's second favourite team. I think Brentford have done him remarkably well with the whole way they've gone about it in terms of modelling a football club, in terms of the money ball approach, the, the way they play, selling players, buying players all on looking at stats and now Ericsson being added to it. You've got you've got admired um Brentford. Um and at the start they they played fantastically well, got some points on the board, were looking comfortable, and then they had a right slip where you're thinking are they ever gonna win again and then the past few weeks have started picking up results again. Um and you think now, oh they look they look safe again. And then at the same time to that, to Leicester, you're thinking, well if they're in a similar position to Brentford what have Leicester been doing? Win one, lose one, draw one. It's they've both been inconsistent. Obviously, Brentford started the season so well, um, and then dropped off, and then picked up recently. And Leicester have just been inconsistent throughout. There's they can play well one game, poor the next. You you don't really know. But I think from where Leicester were or the expectation, you'd say mediocre. As Brentford, you'd say it's been a a much better season, and they've done done well but in terms of both teams you'd probably say it was inconsistent but as Brentford have come up to the Premier League they've, they've, fared, they've fared well and there's a lot of factors you've got to sort of raise your hat to uh, Brentford to be honest as a football club I think. Yeah I really like Brentford I think they've been a bit of a breath of fresh air in the Premier League this season and um, we discussed a few minutes ago Aston Villa and what their expectations will be and whether they're already looking ahead to next season, Dean. Do you think Leicester are in that position now? I know they've still got the, the Europa Conference League to think about, but do you think that they're in that position? Yeah, potentially, no. I'm not sure at Leicester, if I'm honest, at the moment. Um, it's a brilliant football club. We all know how, what a brilliant football club is and, and what they've achieved in, in recent years with um, the Premier League, the FA Cup, the experiences in Europe... Um, the new training ground is brilliant. Um, players they brought through, the academy players they brought through, is, is, it's been brilliant and a really well-run football club. And I think it's just one of those seasons that you kind of have to take on the chin, really. The, the injuries have been a problem. It's been a huge problem. Now, I'm sure there's lots of research into why that's happened. Uh, I think it's too much of a coincidence that there's been too many injuries. But is that the training load? Is that the training plan? Is that they've been in so many competitions? Is it the travelling? Um, I'm sure they'll look at all of that, but I don't think the players will want to switch off from this season just yet. Um, I think they'll want to win the European competition and they've got to be one of the favourites to, to win that. I know it's the Europa Conference, um, but it's still a trophy and it's still an achievement. So can they get in the top 10 and, and can they win the European competition? It's still then an OK season. It's just a change at Leicester. The expectation is huge there now and um, I think they'll review it. They've missed Fafan so much. I don't think we all realised how much they would miss him. Just um, I remember watching him pre-season before he got injured and watching him live. Um, and he's so good with the ball, but he's so aggressive as well without the ball. And he's quick and he's actually really loud on the pitch in terms of how much he communicates. And they've missed that this year. Uh, Jamie Vardy's been in and out. Um, but I think this now they'll be concentrating on Europe. If you look at the game um, against Arsenal, they left Tillemans out, they left Ndidi out uh, just because they've got the game tonight. Um, so I think they're almost looking at that thing, thinking, can we save the season and win a competition? And I think that would be their aim now. Yeah, I think you're right about Wesley Fofana. I think, you know, his his Premier League return could come this weekend against Brentford. I was 
I would not always say I was unlucky to be in the ground on the day that he he broke his leg in pre-season against Villarreal and you're absolutely right Dean they have missed him massively but I think that tells you a lot about him as a player and as a character that he's only 21 years old and he's looked you know the missing piece of a of the puzzle for a Leicester side that have been challenging for the Champions League in recent seasons. We'll wait and see what happens this weekend. Leicester versus Brentford, their next three for the Foxes. Manchester United away, Crystal Palace at home and Newcastle away. So I feel sometimes with the Foxes, it's almost like a a bit of a coin flip as to whether they're going to win or not. It's that inconsistency that Matty was talking about. But there's certainly no inconsistency at the top end of the Premier League because the title race is looking electric. Liverpool are just a point behind Manchester City. We'll talk about that. That next here on the dugout the dugout premier league preview football social daily lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Dugout. Premier League preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is The Dugout from Sports Social, your Premier League podcast with a new episode every single day of the season. And on this episode, we speak to former Premier League players and joining me, Dean Hammond and Matty Fryer, two people who know exactly what it's like to step over the white line in the top flight of English football and leading the way in the division at the moment, Liverpool and Manchester City. City atop, Liverpool second, just a point behind the current champions. Where's the pressure lying here, Matty? Is it on Manchester City not to slip up and forego their lead? Or is it on Liverpool, who know that they have to keep getting points to keep up? Definitely the pressure's now on Man City, because a month ago we wouldn't have been looking at it saying that, well, I'd sort of concluded that it was Man City's. I did sort of, as much of a good team Liverpool were, I was like, oh no, Man City's, they're done. There's no one, they're going to finish first. And then all of a sudden, uh, I think that defeat to Spurs, as uh, and then the Palace draws really opened things up for Liverpool, and Liverpool have been relentless. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd uh, I think it would be for Cities to slip up, um, having led for what the whole of the season, is it? Um, it's just going to be on there. Uh, that fixture, that huge fixture in April. I'm sure you'll come on to that. Um, but I think it would be for Cities to slip up at this point and Liverpool are just on uh, putting some real pressure on, aren't they? As players, Dean, what position would you rather be in? Would you rather be in the City camp at the moment, a point ahead with what Matty says is the main bulk of the pressure? Or would you rather be in the chasing pack, part of the Liverpool squad, knowing that you can gun down Manchester City and win what would be a, a second Premier League in three years. Which which squad would you rather be in right now? 
I think I'd rather be in the, the Liverpool squad. Um, but in terms of, you know, the question is, would you rather have the points? Uh, Man City are a point ahead. But the ascendancy is with Liverpool. They're just a winning machine now. Um, and they're just on that, that role. They've got that momentum, that word we, all, we talk about in football. But I remember when I was at Southampton and we were in the championship and we were, we were top of the league for majority 95% of the season. Um, and then Reading ended up winning 16 out of 17 games uh, and pipped us with two games to go to win the championship and we finished second. So the chasing team, almost there's not that expectation. You get on a roll and what have Liverpool won? Nine games in a row now in the, in the Premier League with nine games left. Could they win 18 in a row? I mean, that would be tough. I'm sure that would be uh, a Premier League record. Um, but I think I personally be, would rather be in the Liverpool squad now at the moment um, and chasing... Man City, like Matty said, they, they, they seem to have felt the pressure a little bit. That defeat to Tottenham, that draw to Crystal Palace. And the thing against Crystal Palace, they, they struggled. They, there was no variety to the game. And that's weird to say against Man City. But Pep didn't really change it, didn't make any substitutions, um, didn't try and change it in terms of find a different um, way to score against Crystal Palace. Um, and will that affect them? Will that, have they got enough goals in the team to, to get them over the line? And obviously there's that the Champions League, that distraction of the Champions League, because they're desperate to win that Man City. They really want to win that. And if you ask the two squads, I think Man City would want the Champions League and Liverpool would want the Premier League. So personally, I'd be quite happy chasing Man City at the moment if I was Liverpool, because they're just winning games. They're finding different ways to win games. I've watched them a few times of late and they've not been at their best, but they still look comfortable. Yeah, Liverpool certainly are a formidable side, but these two sides for me are miles ahead of the rest. Let's go back to that, that championship season that you mentioned with Southampton. It's 10 years ago now. I seem to remember, um, you'd probably be able to correct me, but I seem to remember Reading winning at St Mary's and that game came in April towards the end of the season. And was that, obviously it was a huge game for you being involved in the Southampton team, but was that uh, like a, a, a pivotal moment, a turning point in terms of momentum? Yeah, because I think actually at that game they went above us and that was the first time they mm. went above us and we felt that as a squad. Uh, I remember the game, we were 1-0 down at half-time, got it back to 1-0 and they ended up beating us 3-1. And I remember being in the dressing room afterwards and, and feeling really deflated, really deflated, even though, look, we'd only just been promoted the year before from, from League One and we were second in the championship. But it was it was more the fact that we'd been top most of the league and um, Reading were on that that wave of, of winning games and they just found a way to win games and um, yeah we, I remember being in that dressing room and feeling it and feeling it afterwards and I think we bounced back with a, a draw I think the next game and then so and didn't win for a few games so it did affect us and you can look at that April game where Liverpool go to, to Man City can they do that to Man City but another thing if I'm right you might correct me now but I think they're both in the FA Cup this weekend the weekend after, Liverpool have got Watford before Man City play Burnley. So Watford technically could have Liverpool go top of the league before Man City play again. And I think psychologically, that could be a big boost. Yeah, that's absolutely it, Dean. You bang on with ex exactly what you say. And I'm glad that you kind of likened that uh, experience you had 10 years ago to what we could see here. Because we've seen that before, haven't we, Matty, with... You know, these two teams, they've gone hammer and tong against each other for the last couple of seasons. There was that famous season where, you know, Liverpool 
scored 97 points and yet somehow didn't end up winning the Premier League, which you shouldn't really laugh at. I'm sure the Liverpool fans aren't laughing, but it shows the quality that these two teams have. They're miles ahead of the rest um, at the moment, aren't they, in the Premier League, City and Liverpool? They are. They are. I, I felt at the start of the season it might have been Chelsea, actually. Um, but City and Liverpool have just been phenomenal, haven't they? And they are sort of playing in a separate league. It's those two just against one another. Um, interesting listen to Dean and the feelings of sort of chasing and obviously the position he's been in before with Southampton and being caught. Um, from afar, I've just looked at the fixtures. Um, Man City's to me, looks more winnable on paper as opposed to Liverpool. So it might not just hinge on that one, one game. But again, as Dean pointed to rightly, it's that momentum. But City haven't been bad, have they? This is the thing. It's uh, I know that the draw the other night was a little bit unexpected and Tottenham before, but um, if it were me, I still would want to be leading um, because even if you have a slip up, the other team have still got to do the business, whether they pick up a draw or a win. Um, and if I was going to edge someone, I'd probably go towards City, in my opinion, but um, we'll see. How much of it is psychological? Dean mentioned that when the next Premier League games are all around after this weekend, Liverpool play first. And if they win, they could go above Manchester City in the table for the first time in ages. Obviously, City will have the, the right of reply. But how much is it? How much of it is psychological when you get into this stage of the season? I just think the top, they're sort of different because the top, top players. Um, yes, you could look at the psychological edge and you've seen it before with Ferguson, Manu and Newcastle, the famous rant and everything and how Newcastle slipped up. Um, but I think just the brand of football they're playing and the quality there is just, it's just different. They're in co- total control of the game. Um, and it's a case of keep on that and not really worry about the other stuff and dominating the game how they've been doing for most of the season. So um, it's a good point on the Champions League, though. That's a, a separate thing where you'd probably think Man City would prefer to win that. But I think these level of players and the coaches worrying about the fans' expectations, they'd, they want to win all the competitions, whether it's the FA Cup, whether it's the Premier League, whether it's the Champions League. So um, I don't think it's hinges on mental factors at that level, to be honest. Um, I think because the quality is so just there and they're so superior to the rest of the teams in my opinion yeah I think you're right and like like we've said you know these two teams I mean I think the gap between Chelsea and City's 11 points or something like that the last time I checked the table Dean and as Matty says I think a few people had Chelsea down as title contenders you know at the start of the season when Manchester United signed Ronaldo Varane and Sancho a few people had them down as title challengers this season but once again it's the two old faithful sides of Liverpool and Man City leading the way. So do you think that there is a lot of distance, a lot of ground to make up between uh, Chelsea, Manchester United and the other sides that we mentioned at the top? I think Chelsea are closer than than anyone else. Um, I think Chelsea have got an unbelievable manager. You know, the situation they're in now, how that will change it, um, I, I don't know uh, in terms of them moving forward. But if you just look in the present day, I think Chelsea are the closest out of the rest of the clubs. But if you look at Man City and Liverpool, what they do really well, we haven't mentioned, is they recruit really well. And any player they bring in are really, really good signings. You look at Liverpool, you know, Jota coming from Wolves, 
not a major signing, but has scored what 17, 18 Premier League goals this season. Diaz has come in, come in and, and looked like a, a real top player. And the same with Man City when they sign players that they there's no real gamble with them. Um, and other teams, you look at Manchester United, the signings they've made. I'm sure they will they will come good and they're top quality players, but it's not quite happened for them. With Liverpool, and Man City, they don't need that settling in period really. They just kind of hit the ground running and um, enjoy playing with top class players. So there's definitely a gap. There definitely is, but I think I would say Chelsea are, are the closest, if I'm honest. And then, like Arsenal, Arsenal have got a kind of project going on. You know, with the younger players coming through and watching them. I've done the game last night, and one thing that I didn't notice or didn't realise, defensively they're brilliant in terms of a team structure. They're so difficult to play against, and they're really, really fit. The recovery runs and the way they work for each other. So they need to improve their squad and they need to get better players in to give them more competition within the group. Um, but I think in a few years' time they could, and I use the word could, be challenging um, those two. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Liverpool and Manchester City close to being neck and neck. City just about have their noses in front. The title race no doubt will be exciting between now and the end of the season. Those two sides, Liverpool and City, both in FA Cup action this weekend. It's the quarterfinals of the competition. We'll talk about that next after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the show. This is The Dugout. My name's Niall. I've got Dean Hammond and Matty Fry alongside me, two former Premier League players. And of course, it is the FA Cup quarterfinals this weekend. It is the world's oldest Club Cup competition. One of my favourite competitions as well. I always love when the FA Cup. Uh, rolls around. Uh, Middlesbrough versus Chelsea is what kicks off the weekend. We've heard a lot about Chelsea on the podcast recently due to all of the issues surrounding uh, their ownership with Roman Abramovich being sanctioned and things like that, Dean. But also earlier this week, we saw that wild statement from Chelsea asking this game against Middlesbrough, which is at the Riverside, by the way, to be played behind closed doors. Um, that's been refused. Chelsea have withdrawn the statement anyway, and the 3,000 or 4,000 or so tickets that they did have have been returned to Middlesbrough, and it looks like the Borough fans are going to snap those up. Um, What are your thoughts, just generally, on the idea of the Riverside being full of just Middlesbrough fans? It's not something we usually see in English football. You do sometimes get it overseas. Do you think it will bother Chelsea too much? Um, I don't think it would bother Chelsea. I, I, I think the players are too experienced and played in too many occasions and situations within their, their career that it would really bother them. Um, I don't think it would affect their performance. What I think it may do is help Middlesbrough. You know, Having a full stadium of just Middlesbrough fans I think will be brilliant for them and they will have a full house with Chelsea coming to, to the Riverside in an FA Cup quarter-final. So I think it could definitely help Middlesbrough. Chris Wilder's done a, a brilliant job there. Just, I think they're just outside the playoffs. Um, beat Tottenham in, in the last round. And it's going to be a tough test. You know, the previous round, um, Luton pushed Chelsea all the way. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game, this. But I don't think that will 
um, affect um, Chelsea. It's a shame, really, because you do like the atmosphere where there is fans from both teams. I think it does create a, a brilliant atmosphere. And obviously, with the FA Cup as well, the, the away fans almost get more of an allocation as well. Um, and it does create a, a special atmosphere in the FA Cup. And I'm like you, no, I love the FA Cup. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and Middlesbrough have a great run. So it will be an interesting game, it really, really well. But if Chelsea turn up and they play to the best, then they'll beat Middlesbrough. But it doesn't always work like that in the FA Cup. So I think this could be close. Yeah, that game kicks off quarter past five on Saturday night at the Riverside Middlesbrough against Chelsea. One person who also loves the FA Cup, Matty Fryer. <laughs> he got to the final uh, with Hull City. Now, when you got there and you took on Arsenal, uh, I'm not sure too many people at the quarterfinal stage would have picked Hull City to make it. And we've got some teams in a similar situation. We've got Crystal Palace, Everton, Southampton, even Nottingham Forest and Middlesbrough, as we say, still in the competition. Does this feel like it could be one of the seasons where maybe a side like that could make it all the way to Wembley? Um, on the on these games, I don't think so. Um, the reason, as you alluded to before, the run when um, the whole team got there, we didn't. I think we only met one other Premiership team before getting to the final. Um, as the games on paper look more favourable for the bigger sides, um, and you can't see anything other pat other than. Liverpool and Man City. Um, obviously, you never know in football, all that sort of thing. But as we mentioned before on the programme, uh, they're so far advanced, Liverpool and Man City, that you'd expect them. But semi-final, it could be Liverpool, Man City. So it could be depending which way the draw goes. So um, I can't see anything other than Liverpool, Man City. But you could maybe get a surprise somewhere. Um, but I can't see anything other um, from the, the other ties and obviously pointing out before Chelsea as well. What was that season like to be a part of in and amongst the, the whole squad, being a side that have reached you know the latest stages of the cup? When did the tide turn in terms of focus being more on the cup rather than the league? Did that ever become a factor? What, what was that like to be involved with? Uh, I think I went into the third game thinking this could be my last game. It was South End away um, for the club at the time. And then we managed to win and then won again, I think, away to Middlesbrough. And then before you know it, it was in the fifth round. And I think the draw got already made for the quarterfinal before we played. And it was quite favourable. And then before you know it, you're in a semi-final. And we played Sheffield United that year. And I think Sheffield United at the time win League One. And we were Premiership side. So it sort of opened up kindly and no one sort of noticed us. And then before you know it, you're in, you're in a final. It was sort of the semi-final where the other players, because it was a squad, the ones who weren't playing regularly in the Premiership were sort of having their game time in the FA Cup. But it was that semi-final where the regular starters went back into the team and then there was like, well, we should be able to beat Sheffield United. By the way, they pushed us really hard. And it, was, <laughs> it might have been the highest score in semi-final or something. It was, a, it was right, ding-dong. Um, and then before you know it, you're in a, a cup final, I think, where did this come about? So the magic of starting out against Southend in the third round away where no one really of anything, <laughs> raining, horrible, and then to be uh, blessed to be competing and playing an FA Cup final against Arsenal, which is, uh, it's the magic of it. So, yeah, I shouldn't rule out any of the other teams, but it's uh, it certainly is a special competition for sure. If I'm thinking of the right season, I'm pretty sure that 
I'm looking at the table here from I think it's 13-14 and you avoided relegation by four points that season. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm boxing day. <laughs> but I guess from an perspective of a team like Everton at the moment, who are, are suffering big time when it comes to trying to keep their Premier League status, if they win this weekend in the FA Cup, you know, they get through to a semi-final all of a sudden, the game's at Wembley. And as you say, you know, there's the potential of silverware. But also, you know, Everton will want to be thinking about maintaining their, their Premier League status. So, I mean, what's what's more important for Everton? Probably staying in the Premier League. But I guess when you're in a relegation battle as well, um, is it hard to differentiate the two? Is it just another game? I mean, what's what's the thinking there? I think our case was different because I think we were in the top half of the table, um, performed really well up until Christmas and then sort of plateaued. And the FA Cup wasn't so much of a distraction. It was more the squad players were playing. Um, and then obviously the league form suffered. But there was question marks that we could potentially go down. But it never felt like a season where it was right at the bottom. It was more we were slowly going down but had enough to stay up. Uh, which is slightly different to where Everton are. Um, and years gone by, for example, Wigan, they won the FA Cup and still went down. I think Middlesbrough a few years uh, well before then, where there's fighting on all competitions and everything and still suffered rele- relegation or win a close position. Uh, I think for Everton, though, it would be a hindrance. Even if you won the game, you're thinking you'd rather have the points in in the league, especially for the nature of Everton, the change of manager, the players that they've brought into the club. Uh, For me, I'd see it as a hindrance uh, and their priorities got to be on winning games in the Premiership and making sure that they stay in the division. Um, Slightly different scenario to where we were with Hull, for example. What do you think, Dean, just in general, in terms of the landscape of the the FA Cup quarterfinals, as we say, it's Middlesbrough-Chelsea, Crystal Palace-Everton, Southampton-Manchester City and Forest against Liverpool. Do you think that we'll see one of your former teams, Southampton, do you think they've got enough to beat Manchester City? And, you know, Crystal Palace-Everton is the other game, which means that at least one of those sides is going to be at Wembley for the semis. Well, I think Palace will beat Everton. I think I agree with what Matty said there. The concentration and focus for Everton is staying in the Premier League um, and they may try and enjoy the occasion and that may help them but I still think Palace will beat them um, and do you know what like, I know it's one of my former clubs and I'm probably being biased but I quite fancy Southampton you know, I've, they've played Man City twice this season and drawn both times they should have beaten them at the Etihad at the 0-0 they had a penalty that was um, was given and then VAR ruled it out and Cole, um, Cole Walker was sent off but then that was rescinded um, so they could have beaten them and then won all at St Mary's where they created opportunities. So Southampton always seemed to play well against Man City. So it all depends on what team they put out and how much rotation they make. But I fancy Southampton on Sunday to beat Man City. Forest, really difficult against Liverpool. I know they've beaten Arsenal at home this season. Um, but I, I fancy Liverpool uh, in any competition and especially in one-off games um, because everything we've mentioned about them. So it'd be really difficult. But I could see Middlesbrough causing an upset against Chelsea. I really, really could. I just Chris Wilder's kind of got that approach about him. He seems to get the best out of his players and, and, and rise his players to, for, for big occasions. And, and Chelsea won't enjoy going all the way up to, to Middlesbrough. Their focus is mainly on the league, on the Champions League. So, look, I'm probably 
um, being over positive here and, and loving the <laughs> FA Cup too much, but I think there could be a couple of upsets. I really, really do. Well, I hope that you're wrong when it comes to Southampton and it isn't the case that they get through against Manchester City. I presume, Matty, you're not as confident about your former team, Nottingham Forest, who are the only championship side, apart from Middlesbrough, still left in the competition. Um, you obviously used to play for them. I can't imagine you're fancying them to beat Liverpool, are you? No, uh, I'm not as much as a, a fan of Liverpool as Dean. I think he's a, a diehard fan of Liverpool. Um Especially with this prediction for Man City, um, but yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. But saying that, Forest have uh, knocked out Arsenal previous uh, in the opening rounds. Have done particularly well uh, in the competition, and it is a difficult place when the crowd's right behind. Um, There's good momentum at the minute in the Championship. He's done a really good job since going going in there, Steve Cooper, and the confident. But Liverpool are a different animal. I can't see anything other than Liverpool. Um, and like saying the other ties, I wouldn't be fancying probably Southampton. <laughs> but um, you never know, do you? You never know. That is the beauty of the FA Cup. You never know. Um, but I think it's between the two big guns, in my opinion. And and obviously you can't discount Chelsea. Um, but they've got obviously other issues going on at the minute, which is is a distraction for them. Sorry to say you've been outvoted, Dean, on that one. <laughs> I'm used to that. I'm used to that. <laughs> we'll find out exactly what happens this weekend in the FA Cup and, of course, the Premier League. There are games taking place of which Fergal will review for you on Sunday evening show. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss one. This is the only podcast with a brand new episode every single day of the season. But that is it from us. My thanks to Matty Fryer and to Dean Hammond for joining me. As I say, hit subscribe and that way you won't miss tomorrow's. We'll catch you again then. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily